Hello. Would you like to introduce yourself to us? Hi. Uh, my name is Lawrence. This is my wife, Hazel. Uh, I'm 28. I go to this church, and I love frisbee and bouldering. <laughs> what an introduction. You can ask him later about frisbee and bouldering. Yes. Um, Lawrence, do. tell us briefly what was growing up like for you, and have you always been a Christian? Uh, I have not always been a Christian. Um, I grew up in a Christian family, um, so we were always encouraged to go to church. Personally, I didn't like it. Uh, I, I, didn't, I, nev- I nev- never took to church. I grew up um, being taken to church because my friends went, and then we would leave and go to the skate park uh, whilst my, my family and my friends' families all went and did the church thing. So personally, uh, as an individual, no, I, I never really accepted Jesus myself, um, not until many, many years later. Uh, so you had a great childhood at home in Surrey, and then you moved to Leicester uh, to university. Tell us a bit about life when you came here. That is correct, yes. I moved up to Leicester 10 years ago uh, to study at the University of Leicester. Um, it was... Oh, how, how, how bluntly do I put it? Let's put it very bluntly. Um, I knew the rules as a Christian. As growing up in a Christian family, I knew what was right, I knew what was wrong. And I almost used uh, that rule set as uh, a target of things to break. Um, I decided to break every single one that I could because uh, as far as I saw it, I'd, I grew up around Christians and I didn't like them. Um, they were... <laughs> Charming they were, as well. They were nice. They were um, boring. And as far as I saw it, they gossiped and judged people as much as anyone else did and then thought they were better than everyone. The irony of that, I realize now, um, but that was my feeling as a teenager. Um, so I decided I didn't want anything to do with Christianity. I didn't want to be one. So I came to university and I had a lot of fun. Um, so you were enjoying life, partying, drinking, drugs, um, yep. and had a great job. And then you started uh, to think about faith. Tell us what happened. Yeah, so I left university. Uh, I got a job which was in my field. Everything was going well, everything was good, um, but I realized that it wasn't going anywhere. Um, I, uh, yeah, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't fulfilling. What it was was it was quite destructive, um, both to me as an individual, but also more than anything to the relationships around me, living entirely self-centered like that. Um, so I decided to give church another try. Um, I was invited to... Uh, come and be a youth leader at a youth event because they didn't have enough leaders and they needed me and I was DBS checked. So I I hung around the back. (laughs) I hung around the back and I pretended to be a leader. But I knew that the person who invited me, it was a ploy to get me in the room to hear some things about Jesus, even though I wouldn't have been there if they'd invited me as a a youth. Um, And when I was at this event, I I heard the people speaking and I, I felt uh, I felt the Lord speaking to me, and he was saying, uh, you're only human. It's all right to break the rules. It's um, not all right, but it's understandable. What did that mean to you, like actually hearing God say something specific to you that related to your life? I finally understood that thing called grace. Um, 
See, my, my, my aversion was uh, to church, not specifically to Jesus. And when, when I, I felt the Lord speaking to me, I felt as though it was the person of Jesus stepping into my life uh, and saying, you don't like the church, but what about me? Um, and I felt challenged by it because, you know, in reality, I'd, I'd not really given Jesus a chance. I'd written him off because of my aversion to the church and therefore never, never really tried it. So that's what I did. And then began a journey, getting to know him more. How would you say, how would you say your life has changed since getting to know him for yourself? Uh, it's, it's completely different. Um, when you know that there is uh, a loving father up there who, uh, who knows you fully, is with you every day, uh, who understands your journey and who has grace for you and loves you and accepts you, then it changes everything about how you see the world, how I saw the world. Um, I've regenerated a lot of those relationships that are damaged. Some of them were lost, but that's just the way it goes. Um, yeah, my life is completely different. Uh, I've changed jobs now. I now try to serve people as much as I can because there is a Heavenly Father who had done nothing wrong and who serves me more than anyone. We've not actually prepped this question, but I felt I needed to ask it. Okay. How you, you were a scientist and you worked in that field. How did yeah. you reconcile your experience of knowing God personally and everything else that you heard in the science world? Yeah, so I, I studied geology. Uh, again, I think it was like aversion to the religious upbringing. Um, I wanted to get all the answers. And what I learned was that I don't, for me, I don't think science and faith are opposed in any way. Um, science tells you how the world is created, but not why. Whereas in my experience, God and, and Jesus told me why I was created. Um, and it's, yeah, that's, that's how the two are, are, are reconciled together. Cool. And finally, for somebody who's here who hasn't yet met Jesus, um, is there anything you'd like to say to them? Yeah, give it a shot. Definitely, it'll be the best decision of your life. But also bear with it. It might also be the hardest decision of your life in some, at some times because it's so truthful. It's so challenging. But it's worth everything. Thank you so much, Lawrence, for sharing. It's so good to welcome you here today to our guest service. And if you're here as a visitor, thank you so much. Pressing through the rain and being here with us today. And uh, we pray that you will experience something that has become the center of many of our lives in the room. Whether you're here as a Jesus follower or simply having a think. May you take a deep breath this morning. I was thinking of a few moments in my own life when I've taken a deep breath. Um, my eldest son, when he was young, would vo uh, vocalize everything he was thinking of whenever he thought it. He would just say it, which was sometimes very funny and sometimes a little bit more nerve-wracking. And we had a neighbor who invited us around for an afternoon tea who had lots of small animals in her house. And her house was very, very strongly centered with hamster. For those of you who have a hamster, no comments there. And anyway, I'd been saying to him, when we go to see the next door neighbor, please do not mention the smell in the house. I beg you, I, I will give you extra food. I will pay you. Do not mention the, the, the smell of hamster when we go in the room. He was primed. He was trained. We knocked on the door, ready to go. 
My neighbor opened the door. My, younger, my eldest son walked in, stood in the hall and went, what a beautiful smell in this house. And I took a deep breath. I took a deep breath when I received a phone call from my youngest son, who is speaking here next week. He and his wife and children are here, and he'll be speaking. So I'd like to tell you something about him that you could bring to him when he comes. But I got a call from his school that said Thomas was in some trouble. Now, to give you the, the picture, I have need to tell you, uh, Top Trumps, who's ever played Top Trumps? Give me a little wave. Yeah, some of us, uh, yeah. Okay. It's a card game between two people or more, and each card lists numerical data that players compare with the aim of beating the other. But at the age of 10, my son decided to make a game of Top Trumps of every teacher in his school. And he listed, he did a drawing of what they looked like, and he listed uh, their strengths, weaknesses, where they were cool, where they were not, uh, how you could actually speak to them or or, or, uh, distract them in a lesson. And tragically, a member of staff found the cards on Thomas. And so one lunchtime, they were laid out on the staff table as the whole staff of the school, Nottingham High School for Boys, Uh, looked at how the boys thought about them, what their nicknames were, what the boys said about them when they weren't there, and, and they were able to view them. I'm very glad they saw the funny side. But I took a breath. I took a breath the time I was in Tesco's, and I'd received a call from our operations manager saying, we've run out of chocolate, and we need some chocolate for our welcome bags. We need 50 new packs for this weekend as a church. What shall I do? I said, I'll pick some up. No problem. And we were in a bit of a rush. Susan parked outside and I went into Tesco Extra and I was there. And typically I hadn't taken a basket or a trolley. I'd got nothing. And so I was standing at the chocolate aisle. So I decided, what shall I do? I'll open my jacket up. So I opened my jacket up and began to put all these chocolates in my jacket. And just when I'd nearly got 50 large pieces of chocolate and was going to carry them over to the till, turn them out, and they, there was a smash on my shoulder at the back. And this young sales assistant said, Oi, what are you doing? And I suddenly realized he was thinking I was nicking them. And I had a terrible moment. I stood up and I said, Oh no, I'm a leader of a church. I'm taking these for people in our welcome bag. And it took a lot of explanation. I went to the till, I paid for them. I didn't go into that shop for probably three months. I couldn't face it. And when I did go in, he was there. And I said, do you remember me? And he said, yes. You're that man that put all that chocolate in his jacket and said it was for the church. You know, it's... I took a breath. And for a few moments today, I want to look at a passage in Matthew's gospel and pray that you take a deep breath as you listen. Let me read a few verses from this passage. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Forever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. It's such a powerful passage that Jesus says here. And I'd like to just draw a few points out from the text. The first one is this, is that true Christianity is open to everyone. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple. Some years ago, I was standing at a checkout in Asda 
And I got talking to the assistant there, lots of small talk, and then she said to me, what do you do? And I said, I lead a church. And she looked at me and she said, well, you will be a real hypocrite then. I looked at her and I said, I laughed out loud. I thought, that's nice. I said, what I'm going to do, I appreciate you saying that to me, that I'm a hypocrite. So what I'm going to do, every time I come into Asda, I'm going to find you at the till and I'm going to talk to you about Jesus. And for three years, every time I went into that Asda to shop, I went and found her at the till and she'd look and she'd go, oh, here he comes again. Here he comes again. But when she retired three years later, I'd taken the opportunity to say to her many times what I want to say to you. There is a big difference between religion and Christianity. Religion is man's attempt to get to God. Christianity is God reaching down to us through the life of Jesus to bring us into a relationship with him. And it's open to everyone. Whoever wants to be my disciple. Before you were conceived, you were planned and wanted by the maker of the universe. You were created and wonderfully made by a heavenly father who celebrates every part of your life. You're precious, deeply loved, and made for a relationship with God. And even right now, he's waiting for you to come home. True Christianity is open to everyone. Secondly, in this passage, you have a choice to make. Jesus said, whoever loses their life for me. Now, choices are a part of life. Now, some time ago, uh, our three grandchildren were staying over for the night, and it was one of the rare occasions. I could make some joke about it, but I won't. The rare occasions that Susan had a lie-in, and I decided to look after them first thing in the morning. And, and there we were, and I thought I'd be adventurous, and we would make gingerbread man. I had a pack and some ideas, and we set off doing this. And it, within a few minutes, there was absolute chaos in the kitchen. I didn't know that I had to measure it right. It was all going wrong. It was thing I was getting a bit stressed. Things were in danger of burning. It was happening in the kitchen. And our eldest granddaughter quietly disappeared and went upstairs. Now, we were going to be grandma and granddad, but they decided we would be called Mima and Dar. And Annabelle shook Mima and she said, Mima, Mima, quickly, come downstairs. Dar is struggling downstairs. <laughs> and woke her up. And Susan came down and within a second... She had sorted everything out because there are consequences for the choice we make. There are consequences for the purchases we make off uh, social media. I bought an enormous, it said, dog bed for our new dog the other day. And I was promised we'd get two for the price of one and the dog would find enough space to lie in it. This is what came. I kid you not. Even a chihuahua would not get in this. The only thing this 25-pound dog bed was good for is a new winter hat that I'm going to wear. This is it. And if you have a chihuahua that's yours today, just ask. If you have a dog that's small enough to go into that, I'll sell it you 24 pounds. Right. Um, today, when you leave the building, you're going to make a choice because faith in Jesus begins with the choice you make. You may have Christian parents, you may be baptized, you may have a Bible and even come to church. But none of these make you a Jesus follower. At 19, I heard that Jesus died for me and I made a choice to invite him into my life. I think the passage here reminds us and reminds me that we've been given this freedom of choice. Perhaps you see faith as a weakness or a crutch or for people who have needs. Or today you've got a choice to make. True Christianity is open to everyone. You have a choice to make. But thirdly, there are consequences for the decision we make. Jesus said, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? 
we're very strange as people. We have this view that um, if we have stuff, we'll be sorted. If I'm successful, if I'm wealthy, if I have possessions, if I'm well-known, that will satisfy me. I was talking to a mother the other day, and she introduced her daughter. She said, oh, my daughter's got thousands of followers on Instagram. I thought, is that, she's made it then? No. And yet, we know it's not true. Jesus reminds us that you can have great wealth and fame and pleasure and things. What a powerful testimony from Lawrence there. You can even have a healthy pension pot and yet forfeit your soul. Remember, we take nothing with us when we die. Jesus told a story of a, a successful farmer who'd had a bumper crop and didn't know, know all his storage was already full. He thought, what I'll do is I'll build bigger barns, I'll store it up for myself, and then I'll eat and drink and be merry for the rest of my life. And God said, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded. How you respond to the statements of Jesus is the most important decision you will ever make. And your decision has consequences. Heaven is not a guarantee for everyone. You have to choose to give your life to Jesus in this life. And you can do that today. Heaven is real. This life is just a brief preparation for eternity. You're going to choose where your eternity is. So true Christianity is open to everyone. You have a choice to make. There are consequences to your decisions. Fourthly, he offers you life to the full. Jesus said, in the passage we read, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. I have a friend, Susan and I have a friend called Marion. And Marion is a Suffolk country girl who grew up living in a beautiful thatched cottage. And her father had an MBE for services to bell ringing. That was fascinating. And, and when she met Jesus, he began to speak to her about the poor of the world and broken people. And years later, she found herself with her, uh, her Ghanaian husband in one of the poorest areas of the world, training children, setting up a hospital, school, a water sanitation center, and a nutritional center that has probably saved hundreds of lives for naught to five-year-olds there in northern Ghana. Now, she's one of TLC's missions partners. And a, a few years ago, she came to speak, and she said this, that though her call had cost her all of her savings and meant that she'd had to lay down most of her Western comforts. She knew that she was living there life to the full. All of our lives are different, but when Jesus is the center of your life, you can find peace in a troubled world. You can find the purpose that you were made. You can find a love that takes your breath away. You can find a joy in spite of suffering. You can find hope in the middle of despair. You can find freedom from fear and brokenness. And sadness. You know, I wonder, will you find your life today? You know, does that mean if you're a, a follower of Jesus that life is always easy? It really doesn't. I can't tell you a story, you know, come to Jesus and you'll have no more challenges. It just isn't real. I remember uh, watching a, a young lady give her testimony before she got baptized, and I asked her to record it for me because I found it so powerful. This is what she said When I was 13, my mum died, and two years later, my dad died. And growing as a firstborn, orphaned, entirely responsible for the life of my youngest sister has not been easy. Having lost my parents, our inheritance, our money, we were left alone. I was on the edge of reason. This resulted in drug abuse and suicide contemplation and other things I'll never go into. There's an expression that means to lose all you have, to hit rock bottom. But I realize this, that when you hit rock bottom, 
there is a rock at the bottom and his name is Jesus. And from the pit of nothingness, God has blessed me in my life, rescued me and provided me with everything I lacked. I now have a job, a wonderful friends in my life group and a chance to go to school. I found Jesus to be everything in my life, my mentor, my saviour, my courage, my wisdom, my resting place, my daily bread, my strength. Wow. True Christianity is open to everyone. You have a choice to make. There are consequences for your decisions. He offers you life to the full. And lastly, the passage asks a question. Are you ready to meet your maker? Jesus said, for the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Our world will never end because of war or climate change or wickedness. The world will end one way when Jesus returns. And one day, every one of us are going to give an account for the life we've lived and how we responded to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So I'd like to ask you again, are you ready to meet your maker? Are you willing to change? Nicky Gumbel, a well-known preacher from London, tells the story of a funeral he led for a woman who used to live on the streets. She would walk around with a shopping trolley and plastic bags, collecting rubbish, carrying it around with her wherever she went. Apparently, she was also quite aggressive to people, asking for money, rude. And so naturally, he expected that there wouldn't be many people at a funeral. However, there were many because this woman had been very rich. And though she had been homeless for most of her lives, a few years before her death, she'd inherited a huge fortune. And at the funeral, he just couldn't get his head around the thought, why someone who had so much money chose to live on the streets with all their rubbish? And one of the relatives responded to him, I think the problem was that she didn't want to leave behind the life she knew. Now that might sound absurd to you and me, but the truth is so often something even more absurd. We hang on to the rubbish in our lives and we miss out on the treasures and plans that God has for us because we can't face the thought of changing. So what are the next steps? Well, when I was, became a Jesus follower, somebody told me this, and this is what they said. David, God is perfect. He is perfect. And you're here and you aren't. And in between you and your imperfection and God and his perfection, there is a, a gap that you can't cross by just doing good things. When Jesus came and gave his life on the cross, the cross became the bridge between the lostness of my own heart and the wonder of who God is. And that actually the way to get right with God was to come to the cross and experience the love of Jesus in your life. For me, that prayer of recognizing my need for him changed every part of my life and it can change your life as well. And in just a moment, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer and if you would like to quietly pray that prayer where you are today, and then please come and chat to anyone who's been involved in the service today to let us know you've prayed that prayer. We would love to do that. And what about for those of you whose faith has been really shaken over this period of time? Perhaps again, you wanna return and just say, God, here I am. I'm gonna invite the musicians to come back but onto the stage, but let's pray together, shall we, as they come. If it helps you to close your eyes, there's nothing 
religious or anyway about closing your eyes. It's just to, so that you can, you can focus. Why not say this quietly in your heart? Thank you, God, that you love me. Thank you that you made me to know you. I come to you today and say sorry for the wrong things I've done in my life, for living my life without you. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for me and you rose again for me. Come into my life. I give you me. I want to be a follower of God. I give you my life. And Father, I pray for those in this room who are on a great journey to faith, that you might meet with them today in a deep way and respond to the prayer they just quietly prayed in their hearts. And we thank you. We're going to worship with a song. If you're able to stand, then that'd be wonderful to do that. And if you've prayed that prayer, do talk to somebody before you go home today. Let's stand together, shall we?